This is an AMI podcast. Reality was starting to set in, and I seriously was wondering if I would never get to see anything ever again. Becky Zarr shares her personal experiences as a healthcare provider and young mom with total vision loss. I remember saying to her, Mom, I'm not strong enough. I had hit my rock bottom. My mom replied back to me, You can do this because you have a little boy who needs you. The Blind Reality. New episodes every second Tuesday of the month. Download this AMI podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Joyda Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Food plays a central role in all our lives. Dare I say, food plays an especially prominent role in our lives right now during the lockdown. We're at home more often. So we're thinking about food more, cooking more, and planning more. It's not unusual, for instance, to discuss dinner plans while eating lunch, at least in my home. The pandemic has brought up a range of challenges for people with disabilities, facing food insecurities and barriers to access. But I believe it's also an opportunity for the home cook to shine and demonstrate some creativity when faced with overcoming these barriers. In fact, preparing a home-cooked meal can be a highlight to an otherwise humdrum day. Today, we discuss the Kitchen Confession podcast. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to the pulse on AMI Audio. My name is Joita Gupta and I'm really happy to be with you again today. And of course, we're talking food, which always puts me in a great mood. So I'm very delighted to welcome to the program the host and the creator of the Kitchen Confession podcast, Mary Mamaliti. Not a stranger to this channel. Hello and welcome. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Mary, it's really great to have you on the program. It's been a wish of mine to have you be a guest on The Pulse uh, ever since I took over hosting. So what's it's been like over a year now? Hard to see how quickly time flies. But I have always wanted to sit down with you and talk food because I am a foodie at heart. You are a foodie at heart. Uh, let's just get things started by talking about the Kitchen Confession podcast. And one of the first things you said to me was, now just remember, it's not the Kitchen Confessions pod- podcast. It is, in fact, Kitchen Confession. So what was the story behind the name? Oh, geez, the name. Let me think back now. Um, (laughs) I came up with Kitchen Confession um, as it it was literally just a thought that I I kind of stuck to. I thought about things that remind me of happier times, Um, times that I can remember growing up. And I come from a foodie family. I'm Italian, and everything we did was always surrounded by food. And that's Mm -hmm. how we express ourselves. And I continue to do that today. But a lot of really, really great conversations happened around that kitchen table. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of sat around with a pot of coffee or tea. And, well, in my house, there was a lot of coffee brewing and um, uh, (laughs) cookies or something sweet going on. And we would talk about everything from, um, you know, things that are going on in our families to you know, uh, headlines in the news. Basically, we were trying to solve the problems of the world at a kitchen table with a pot of coffee. <laughs> and that's what so got me that's thinking. A really in- 
Yeah, no, it's a really interesting start to, to your journey because I remember a few years back when we first spoke to one another, you had a website, Kitchen Confession. You still have the website and you're still blogging. Um, and you and now you have this podcast. So describe that journey or that evolution for us. Um, I started off with um, a, an Instagram account which was honestly just to share some recipes with some girlfriends that were asking for the recipes. And it, mm. it just skyrocketed. It just went full steam ahead from there. And we went on to the, I decided to start a website and then um, just discovering my passion and talking about food was something that mm -hmm. I thought could just make everyone, no one's angry around food. So <laughs> that's when it led me into, right? Like that's when it led me into, um, competing in a cooking show to uh, doing some cooking segments, um, writing, food writing, to podcasting. And now we're here. Uh, I did, I've done some radio, but the podcasting is it's what's led me full circle back to talking food with you again. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. doing podcasting now for about two and a half years. And when you listen to the podcast, and one of the things that I really, that is so outstanding about the podcast, and I listen whenever I have time, is it really does feel like you're sitting at a kitchen table and you're having a very intimate chat with people. So give us an idea about a typical episode of Kitchen Confession podcast. How long do they usually run? Who are some of the voices you like to feature or the kind of person you like to feature? Uh, maybe give us a sense of what a typical show sounds like, if there is such a thing as a typical show. Okay, so I am so glad you said that because that's what I was aiming for. It was just a conversation around a kitchen table where a group of people who enjoy talking about food get together. Um, and we just share a whole bunch of stories. So it's an interview-style podcast, runs anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, um, like I mentioned, it's two and a half years old, but our launch date with AMI is Wednesday, November 18th, which I'm really excited about. Um, the podcast does have a little bit of a history, so it's got 70 episodes in, but we interview people that we chat with foodie industry experts, pros and home chefs. Uh, they share all their favorite foodie finds. And every guest shares an embarrassing kitchen confession of their own. And the reason why I like to do this is because it pokes a little fun in what so many people take so seriously. And that's cooking in the kitchen. And it's just meant to be fun. And we all make mistakes. And it's just something that we can laugh about later on. At the moment, you're probably stressed about the error. But it makes for great stories uh, and storytelling. And then we always inject a few games into each interview. And this way, and what that does is it keeps it light, keeps everything airy, and then the listener can get a little sneak peek into our guest lives. And so give me a bit of a, a sneak preview of you've, you, you're now 70 episodes in. What are some mm -hmm. of the episodes? I'm sure every episode has been special in its own way. But if you had to pinpoint one or two, maybe three guests that you had an absolute ball with, which, which episodes have stood out to you? Oh, gosh, I wish I can pinpoint just one. I am not. <laughs> I'm Honestly, I'm not joking when I say they have such interesting stories. And all these great stories about it, whether you're a home cook, whether you're a novice and just starting off or whether you're a pro chef, there's all a common ground around food. And that's mm -hmm. they all enjoy creating something. And, and just that whole uh, emotion that's attached to the food. Mm -hmm. Is that an experience yeah, so it's, it's that you feel a lot of people choose. have? 
Yeah, I'm sure it is. But do you find that generally people also use food as a way to connect with family and to connect with culture? It's something that's very powerful in your experience. But did your guests share that sentiment as well, that it's really a way to connect with their cultures, connect with their parents, connect with their families? I mean, everything around food. So I also like because food has a memory attached to it. So, I mean, think about it this way. When you smell something, when you walk into a kitchen or a home, or even sometimes if you walk into Williams-Sonoma, when we could walk in, um, and <laughs> there's that fragrance, there's that aroma in the air. It could be cinnamon. It could be um, any type of spice. It does trigger a food memory. So food mm-hmm. is always attached to so many memories that we have, and they're always good memories. So it's something that... I like to say it gives you the warm and fuzzies because you feel great when you're when you're thinking about it. So, yes, I mean, I always say that food and, and meals are attached to memories. And what about you, Mary? I mean, you've had a lifetime of hanging out at the kitchen table, sharing confessions and chatting with your family and friends and your girlfriends and sharing recipes. How did you make the transition to being a professional podcaster? Did you have a steep learning curve or was it just, you know, a day in the life of Mary Mammoliti? Okay, Joita, you've known me for a while and you know I love <laughs> to talk. <laughs> so to me, and I'm very, I find every, I find people interesting and fascinating. And I'm always interested in hearing someone's story. It could be anywhere at any time. It could happen in the grocery store. And I just happened to talk on talk to someone and I'm finding more about them. I mean, joking around, my husband calls me public relations because I'm always talking to everyone. So for me, it, it just felt like a, a natural fit because it combined two things that I love doing most. That's talking and food. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, you can't go that's wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Joita Gupta, and with me is the host and creator of the Kitchen Confession podcast, Mary Mamalidi. Mary Mamalidi, pandemic, I don't think you saw that one coming. I certainly didn't. Do you feel like your life, um, I'm sure your life has changed, but do you feel like your um best practices, your schedules, your routines as a home cook have at all evolved because of COVID-19? You know, I I feel, I want to say yes, because I believe it's done that for all of us. Um, Excuse me. Uh, I want to say, I believe it's done that for all of us. Everything's changed. Um, What a place where I used to love going was the grocery store. And now mm-hmm. we're limiting that. We're changing how we grocery shop because, I mean, you couldn't just pop out and get whatever you want whenever you wanted to. Now you need to plan that. You, be, you need to be strategic about it uh, because you want to limit the amount of times that you're going out to a grocery store. Um, so it's a lot more planning mm-hmm. and, and less uh, fly-by-the-city-your-pants kind of meal. Um, there's a lot more pantry meals because you're, you're looking at, okay, I'm running out of certain things in my refrigerator – what can I make for dinner based on what I've already picked up at the grocery store or in my pantry? And and you're creating a lot more. And I find that I am being a little more creative with a lot of dishes. Um, and like everyone else, we cook. I mean, I cook all the time because that's what I do for a living. But mm-hmm. I, I noticed I'm even cooking even more. That there are days where I'm like, I don't want to cook. I feel like I'm in here three times a day. And then when I'm <laughs> recipe testing even more. Um, so, yeah, definitely it has changed for me. I'm in there a lot more than I was before, which is saying a lot. Um, And Mm -hmm. meals, I'm always looking for, because I noticed that a lot of people are asking for simple meals. 
but a different type of simple this time where they do have the time to mm-hmm. stay at home to, to cook it, but simple in terms of ingredients. Mm-hmm. So like those five ingredient meals are, are huge hits or rather than creating your own spice mix for a recipe where, you know, someone says use half a teaspoon of oregano, thyme, um, mm-hmm. and mix everything together, buy a pre-made mix and incorporate that into your, into your meal along with some little extra spices. So this way cuts back that time. Yeah, I find that, you know, because so many of us are juggling working from home and childcare and so many other things, we have in fact gotten a lot busier. The other thing, and I'm going to, my husband would say, you're totally oversharing. So yeah, I'm totally oversharing. The other thing I find is I'm kind of getting sick of my own cooking. <laughs> you know, I used to it go out to a restaurant. I used to go out to a restaurant and would break up the, the monotony. And you'd get a, you'd get dressed and you'd go out. So, and, and I also find that unless I actively engage with the question of what am I going to eat? I end up mm-hmm. cycling through the same rotation of, I'm going to give you say five recipes. Um, and I can rattle them off for you right now. Black bean and corn mm-hmm. soup. I do a ratatouille. Um, I do a carrot ginger soup. I make um, like um, a quinoa sort of a, a grain dish. Um, like, you mm-hmm. know, I have these four or five things and I just kind of rattle through them. And once you eat the same meals three weeks in a row, you kind of get sick of them. So how do you introduce that creativity and that diversity in your options while limited to a certain number of ingredients? I mean, well, first of all, it all sounds delicious. And I know I'm hungry. (laughs) um, But I've got a quick tip. I've got something that I I have now started doing. So instead of making it a little extra, um, you know, like you said, you're tired of those same five dishes because we're making them a lot more frequently than we used to. Mm -hmm. I would swap out two of those meals. So two of those dishes with something new. And every week you can still keep three of the same but swap out two of them to something different. So this way mm-hmm. you feel like you're creating a little more. So you're using that creative side, um, and which releases a lot of those feel-good endorphins. And then mm-hmm. you're getting something a little new, but without having to spend a lot more time learning new recipes. Mm-hmm. So that, well, Right, so you're just kind of adding the two in. Yeah. So that's not overwhelming for someone. Like you don't have to go from being, I've never turned on the stove to being an, a gourmet chef overnight. You can kind of ease yourself into the process. Uh, let me ask you a little bit about, uh, and for anyone who has ever heard me on AMI Audio, you're going to be like probably rolling your eyes. So sorry, but I love <laughs> my instant pot. And you know that I have, mm-hmm. you know, I have rhapsodized about this thing. Um, do you find that, is that something that's found a place in your kitchen, Mary? I, I am so curious as to whether you are a devotee of the Instant Pot. Okay, so here's the deal. And I was, I'm actually going to ask you, and I'm going to turn the question around on you. How do you <laughs> feel about the Instant Pot? Because I'm on the fence. I'm going to be honest. It scares me a little bit because of that whole pressure mm-hmm. cooking. Mm-hmm. Are, are you, do you bother, find, are you comfortable you know, with it? it doesn't re- yeah, it doesn't really bother me. And you know why? It's because um, I grew up in India. And I'm talking and safety. Pressure- well, yeah, that's the thing. I actually find that it doesn't scare me as much as the traditional pressure cookers. So because I grew up in India and we eat a lot of lentils and a lot of beans, mm-hmm. uh, the pressure cooker was constantly in use. But it was a metal pressure cooker with um, with a valve. Uh, yes. I mean, you can find those things still. I, I think Hawkins makes them. And I actually find that the um, the Instant Pot is a lot safer 
You can just let it depressurize naturally if you have the time. But if you wear like an oven mitt or you sort of secure your hand in a glove and you kind of tweak the little valve, I've never been scalded by steam or had any unfortunate accidents myself. I also find it a great time-saving tool. But I take it you're a bit nervous about steam. And you know what? You're not the first person to say that to me just because I think I took to it quite comfortably. Uh, and I was an early adopter because I grew up in India and the the mm-hmm. concept of a pressure cooker wasn't really all that foreign to me. It was like, yeah, it's a pressure cooker. Okay, so it runs on electricity. Big deal, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. See, so that, that's what I was always curious. And I always ask everyone the same question about pressure cooking. Because to me, I, I didn't grow up with it. To me, everything was done stovetop. And that's how mm-hmm. I cooked. Uh, so I get a little antsy around that that steam and the whole pressure release valve. But I do have a slow cooker. And I do mm-hmm. use that over the over the winter months, summer months. I cook, I always cook something in there. And that's a great time saver as well, like you it mentioned, is. because everything's done so quickly. But at the same time, you can just let it sit there. You don't have to watch over a pot. It is. I really love my slow cooker. It was actually a wedding present from my mother, now that you mention it. We're totally getting into anecdotes here. But she got <laughs> me this lovely slow cooker from, uh, it's not a paid advertisement, but from Black & Decker. And she got it for me because it just had a simple knob and it has four settings mm-hmm. and you can kind of turn it. So there's none of that, you know, oh, geez, I'm squinting at the little digital pad to see where things yep. are. Um, that's always an issue. Which brings me to accessibility in the kitchen. I know you mm-hmm. talk about this a lot during your podcast. But are you sort of getting more questions about how to work with ingredients, how to store things properly and label things properly during the pandemic? Because people have bought things in bulk, whether it's frozen goods or dried goods. I have a lot of dried beans and grains and stuff. So Mm -hmm. all of those questions for blind people and blind cooks come up about how best to store and how best to keep track of what we actually have in our pantry. How do you deal with it? I do get this question a lot. And I do get a lot of questions around labeling, around measurements. Um, And there are a lot of great tools now that we have available to us. And it's just a matter of finding the right one that suits you. When it comes to labeling um, our canned goods, let's say, let's start with canned products in our pantry. Mm -hmm. There's a product, uh, Penmate, where you can, uh, have you heard of the Penmate? I have. I actually have one sitting right here. (laughs) Do you? Yes. Um, if I actually had, if you had visuals to go with it, I would pull it up and be like, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> it's funny because I've been trying to get my hands on one and it's been so difficult. Um, it's but like yeah, a little the, pen. It's a little yeah. thicker than an actual pen. Exactly. And then you just put the tab on the jar, the jar, the can, whichever it is, swipe the pen over and it'll tell you what, what that yeah, can is. But what mm-hmm. I use a lot is an app. Because, I, like I said, I can't get a hold of the pen friend. Um, so I use an app and it's, uh, oh, what's the name? The name just slipped me. Uh, A1, no. Anyway, the name just not coming Seeing to me right AI. now. Seeing AI. Seeing uh, AI, yes, the Microsoft app. Yeah, yes. I told you. I use that one too. It does a really good job of identifying my cans. It does a not so stellar job of identifying my rather, my embarrassingly large connect collection of David's teas. <laughs> so it has its limitations. <laughs> that, and that's the that's the application that you can scan whomever's in front of you and scans mm-hmm. their face. Have you yeah, tried yeah. that? <laughs> because I have not it, tried it. I have oh, not tried yes. it. But I think, and I haven't tried this before, but I think it's actually a really good application if you were trying to figure out those bags of frozen fruit and vegetables, because they all kind of sort of feel the same. You know, you, how do you tell a frozen bag of corn from a frozen bag of peas? That's exactly I've done where the old you switcheroo. use this app. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> without opening it and, and yeah, kind without of opening. feeling what's inside, then this, this app, it works perfectly for that. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And there's so many great solutions out there. What about the old, you know, putting rubber bands on, on cans and stuff? Are you, do you go, do you go old school at all? I do that with a salt and pepper mill. Oh, that's a good so idea. because mine are the same size and there's really no identifier on them. And because I like them to be a certain color or a certain shape or a height, I just put a rubber band around one of them. And mm-hmm. because they're, and I find a salt and pepper mill with grooves in it so I can hide the rubber band within the grooves. That's smart. And then and it stays put and I can have, just feel it. Yeah, no, and I, I will note for the, the people amongst us, and you know who you are, who think that salt mills aren't a thing. Uh, they are a thing. They are. They are. <laughs> and I love mine. I have I have so many different types of salt anyway. That's why. So I'm just ridiculous like that. But I do love can it. I, uh, can I ask you a little bit about this? So you're a foodie. You love to collect, I'm sure, and experiment with different ingredients. But salt mm-hmm. has become a really big thing. You can get sea salt and green salt and pink salt and all kinds of salt. Do you actually need five different types of salt in your pantry? You don't. You don't. If I were to start up a little um, starter kit, for the novice cook getting right into the kitchen very first time. And I would say, one, get yourself either a Google Home or um, an Amazon, uh, is it an Amazon Alexa? Amazon yes. Echo? Alexa? Uh, one of those. <laughs> you can tell which one I have. Uh, this is the starter kit. A talking thermometer and salt. Kosher salt, mm-hmm. sea salt, and iodized salt. Mm-hmm. Regular table That's salt. It. That's all you Regular need. Regular table salt, yeah. That's all you need. I mean, you, you can switch it for Himalayan if you'd like, but honestly, those are the three you need if that's you're starting off your kitchen. Yeah. That's not bad at all. And so if we were to go and listen to Kitchen Confessions, if we were to decide to go and binge listen to like the last 70 episodes, are you going to sprinkle in all these useful tips and tricks throughout your podcasts? Definitely. Definitely. If <laughs> not myself, like if not myself, my guests share. My guests will share their recipe that that's, that's their go-to something, a gadget that they love using in the kitchen. Well, so I you think will it definitely walk away. Awesome. Well, if you ever decide to have a show about the instant pot and how great it is, um, I would love to come on. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Mamaliti, I've uh, really enjoyed chatting with you. Had a good chat about your podcast, even tried to weasel an invite for myself. It's been great <laughs> having you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was the host and creator of the Kitchen Confession podcast, Mary Mamalidi, and we chatted about that podcast, which aired on AMI-audio on November 18th. I hope you'll check it out. Lots of previous episodes for you to go through as well. I think it's going to be a great conversation. I will say that if you missed any of my chat with Mary, um, I know I usually keep these interviews a lot more structured, but we just ended up having more of a chat. So if you wanted to go back and have another listen, please find the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. I'm actually uh, going to say that I um, I really do enjoy cooking, but because I have so much on my plate um, with a lot of professional and work obligations, I find that more and more cooking has become something that I do slapdash um, in between, uh, you know, getting an assignment in or prepping for the pulse or meeting a deadline at work. And so 
I really appreciated Mary's suggestion about bringing in a few new recipes every week, simplifying things, using apps in the kitchen to try and identify ingredients, because these are the time savers that still allow you to enjoy cooking in your own home. And as a blind person, it's really meant a lot to me to be able to do that, because growing up, I had this incredible fear of getting burnt in the kitchen or spilling something on myself. Uh, so b- being able to cook and not only enjoy it, but see other people enjoy what I cook has always been a real treat for me. And being Indian food, if you didn't already guess this, is a very big part of my life. Thanks a lot for listening to the program. I'd like to thank Mary Mamaliti for being on the pods today. Our technical producer today is Matt Agnew, stepping in for Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio and Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. We would love to hear from you about any foodie thoughts you might have. You can always write us on Twitter at AMI Audio and use the hashtag PulseAMI. And of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Chuita Gupta. I hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you'll stay safe, eat plenty of good food, and tune back in right here on The Pulse on AMI Audio. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.